0: Welcome. It's time to elevate your consciousness and tune in. This is Mastermind with your host, Dr. Rebecca. This show is about possibilities. If you're successful, ready and highly motivated to make the necessary changes in your life, we'll provide the tools, direction and encouragement to help you along the way. Now, here is Dr. Rebecca. I want to welcome
1: everybody to Mastermind. I'm your host, Jesse Jameson. I'm actually uh, guest hosting today for Dr. Rebecca Huey. Uh, She is on vacation. Well, not exactly. She's actually just taking a vacation from being the host of Mastermind this evening because she's decided to drop in as a very welcomed guest. Welcome to your own show, Dr. Rebecca. How are you?
2: (laughs) Thank you. Good. Thanks, Jesse. I'm good. (laughs)
1: So, uh, I've wanted to uh, have this uh, chance to speak with you and actually uh, give the audience and your fans and listeners uh, an opportunity uh, to get a little bit in your mind, so to speak. Obviously, Mm -hmm. we see you as the one trying to help us become masterminds, but in order to uh, teach. You've got to kind of master some of these principles. And so let's dive right in. Uh, first off, okay. tell us a little bit about yourself. And I say that because you always mention uh, to your guests uh, to tell us a little bit about themselves. Uh, let's hear uh, what you have to say. What's, oh, what's, yes. your, what's your story?
2: That's such a broad question. Um, so I am a, a physician um, and I currently live in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I work as a hospitalist, which means I take care of patients who get admitted to the hospital and either don't have a primary care physician or for some reason their primary care physician does not come to the hospital. So that's my main job. I am also an integrative medicine doctor, which means that I have undergone a curriculum that teaches me not only what we learn in medical school, but things like acupuncture, hypnosis, um, Ayurvedic medicine and you know herbal medicine, botanical medicine, things like that, so that I can understand not only how to use different methods to heal but then also understand what my patients might be using that is not uh you know the medication so so I can understand kind of different angles on on healing and what it means to um, various people.
1: I would imagine that you do have uh, the occasional uh, cl- uh, client or patient, I su- should say, that comes in and they probably are taking something that they got from their herbal remedy store or from their maybe traditional doctor that they that they see. Uh, is that what you're kind of mentioning here, that you like to be on mm-hmm. top of the different supplements and, and different things that they might be taking over the counter?
2: Yeah, and it's so funny because patients are either nervous to tell me that they take certain things and when I'm okay with it, then they're happy or they're surprised that I know what it is and what it does. And so then it, it turns into a different conversation. They kind of loosen up a little bit and relax and they understand that it doesn't really I'm not upset with them. I I like to talk about it in general. I just like to understand what people's ideas are of healing and how I can help them. So me knowing that they are more of a naturalist and they don't like to take medications is helpful because then I know how to tailor my treatment to that. I know how to tailor my treatment to people who some people swear only by medication, they don't want to take anything herbal, no supplements. And so then I know how to talk to them as well. So it really does help to know the whole picture. And once people get that, I want to understand that and not just condemn them for you know, the, using supplements, then it's a, um, the relationship improves.
1: Right. You should be mad though. Cause really what they're saying is I don't trust you. I don't trust you doctors. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally kidding there. Oh. Uh, I, th- I think that you're right. I think people want to try to do stuff without traditional, you know, pharma, so to speak.
2: Right, right. Um,
1: so obviously there was a time before you were a doctor. What, yes. what, what led you down your path and made you want to become a doctor?
2: Let me try to remember before I was a doctor, before medical school, um, since we go through like 30 years of school. So let me, give me a minute. (laughs) Um, When I was eight years old, I went to a thrift shop and there was this sweatshirt and had Snoopy on it. And it said, Snoopy had a stethoscope and he said, I want to be a doctor. He had one of those lights around his head. And I liked this shirt. And I didn't know anything about doctors, but I like this shirt and I like Snoopy. So whenever I would wear that shirt, people would give the, this positive, you know, I guess, affirmation, oh, you're going to be a doctor. And so I kind of assumed that identity. And I had a natural aptitude for different things like math and science. I mean, art and English, too, but I think I was kind of channeled that way into math and science because I was good at it. And, you know, I said I was going to be a doctor, when I was a little kid. And I just, you know, thought I had to do that. I just said I was going to do it. (laughs) So, so I felt like I had to do it. That's actually how I decided to become a doctor. Um, Then throughout the, you know, years, I definitely was interested in, okay, what kind of doctor am I going to become? I was really excited about learning how the mind works. And I was going to be a neurosurgeon at first, and then I realized um, they're, they don't really work with the mind; they more work with the brain and the technicalities of how to operate on the brain. Um, was going to go into psychiatry and um, neuroscience, uh, neuro or neurology, um, and then I settled on family medicine. I think just because in family medicine you can do all of that. So a good uh, family medicine doctor is a generalist, and you can uh, work with the mind. You can work with uh, healing. You can um, sort of specialize in whatever way you want to, whatever kind of focus you want to achieve. So that, yeah, that's how I decided to become a doctor. And then I just, um, I just experimented until I figured out what worked for me as a physician.
1: Well, I think uh, all your listeners and fans would agree with me that we're, we're kind of glad that you took the road that you did and you became yeah. uh, the host of uh, Mastermind and now you're kind of trying to help other people uh, kind of better their mental and, and physical uh, performance uh, by, by applying some of the techniques you've done so many great shows you had a heart math episode. You've had memory uh, championships, you've had your brother on, you've had mm-hmm. uh, some college friends on, and you've <laughs> had great shows. You even had a pet expert. So I feel like you're, you're really uh, having well-rounded shows. What, what show maybe taught you the most?
2: I loved this show where we had the, um, where we had the mini memory championship and we had a little game show. And the reason I loved that show was, was, well, a few reasons. One, I had never done a show like that before. It was new, and it was exciting, and I got to experience what it's really like to be a host in the sense of, you know, keeping time and managing, you know, silence so that there isn't much silence, so while the contestants were memorizing, um, or recalling, I, you know, we had to have a conversation, and then I had to remember to, you know, set the timer, and then bring the guests back, and there was just a lot going on during that show. So that was fun. I learned how to the technicalities of how to be a good host during that show. Another reason I loved that show is because it was exciting to see two people, um, just everyday, not memory athletes or not mental athletes, but just everyday people compete and um, it was an attorney and a financial um, advisor and so they're really sharp and really bright and I was just excited to see who's gonna win
1: hopefully hopefully the financial advisor
2: he actually (laughs) he did win we don't want the lawyer to
1: win we don't want the lawyer you had a show with your brother Uh, tell us about that Uh, was that kind of a special show for you
2: Yeah, that was a really special show on a few different levels. One, it was just a surreal idea that both of us are in a position where I could, you know, like have my own radio show, which I'd never imagined having. And then to have a brother who is a professional, you know, opera singer and Broadway actor who could be on it, like I could legitimately have my brother on the show. It wasn't like, oh you know, my brother does this or that, but I just want him on the show because he's my brother. It actually fit into the show. And he is a celebrity. And it was just a surreal uh, moment for us because, you know, we grew up together. And um, I also liked it because we have a lot of these conversations together as a family. And it was very comfortable. Like it was just one of our sit around the living room and talk conversations, but we had it on air. So it it was a it was a window for everybody into the family and and the types of things that we share with each other when we're at home.
1: I I thought it was really eye opening, uh, and also it was kind of neat because although you guys were brother and sister, I thought you guys were were chatting away like great pals and friends. Yeah. So I'm sure there was some sibling rivalry there, but <laughs> you, you seemed to uh, to put it behind you pretty we well. We got over it. <laughs> You know one of the uh shows that was that was my favorite um was well let me qualify this I I've, I've watched a lot of baseball in my life I'm not a huge mm-hmm. baseball fan but one of the things that I do like about the sport is that many of the players have their own taboos and superstitions and we were kind of taught growing up that you shouldn't really do that. You don't need a lucky pair of socks to play basketball. You don't need a, a lucky pair of shoes to do something. Um, <laughs> but then when I watched your show and you always bring up that movie Glass, mm-hmm. and you mentioned that with every superhero, they have a cape, they have a suit, they have a, and Green Lantern has the, that ring, right? right. And uh, you have this situation where you kind of gave me permission to, to bring out my super cape. So I wanted to share it with you. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's this simple watch. Now I bought this watch. It's not a billion dollar watch by any means, but when I was uh, a young teenager, one of the rites of passage, so to speak, was to get your own watch. And I remember in the nineties, it was a fossil watch. That was the big thing. And, um, And then when the cell phone came out, if you remember, they all had perfect (laughs) clocks, And uh, I just saw having a watch as more of like a jewelry piece. And I've just never been a jewelry type guy. Mm -hmm. But then after listening to your show, I went out, got myself a watch. I wear it religiously to work. I don't necessarily wear it out on the weekends, but I wear it to work. And it really helps me uh, get in a, a real professional state of mind when I come in. So mm. I wanted to thank you for that. And then I yeah. was wondering if if you could share with us if, if you have a, a super cape as well and what it is.
2: Oh, wow. Do I have a super cape? I do not have a physical item that I wear or use on an everyday basis in order to make me feel a certain way. But I do have... I always keep a journal and a pen with me and that gives me comfort and it gives me a sense of control and security that no matter what happens no matter where I am my ideas are safe and I can record my ideas and I can um, bring whatever concepts or or things that are in my mind into physical reality so um it's it's more of a comfort. <clears throat> excuse me, and it and it and it does make me feel powerful because um, the, having control of my own ideas and thoughts uh, gives me a sense of, of power. So yeah, that would be that would be it. Nothing specific, but just I always grab a pen and a notebook.
1: That's awesome. What uh, what was the reason that you wanted to to start your your own talk show? Uh, and, and if you could maybe let the listeners know a little bit about what's your why, we always hear this in the world, right? Hey, you know, what's your why, <laughs> Dr. Rebecca? Have you kind of thought about what problems. your why is, and and if so, let us let us know a little bit about it.
2: My why is I would I love to teach people how to use the power of their minds in order to create change in their lives so many times we get discouraged or we get disillusioned or we have this feeling that life is happening to us instead of us controlling the situation. Sometimes we feel out of control, but there are always things that we can't control. And there's always this element of um, self-mastery in any situation that can change a situation and that can alter, um, alter the course of events and so to teach people how to control their thoughts, how to control their minds, and then how effective that is at improving or changing their circumstances. So that's, that's my why, is to just teach people more about their minds and, that, and the importance of that.
1: The first time I ever spoke with you, we went over a little bit about uh, your thoughts and and what have you. And I know we're coming to the break here uh, in in a minute here. Um, But one of the things that I thought was really interesting is, I don't know if you remember this or not, but one of the first times I spoke with you, I said, okay, Dr. Rebecca, you (laughs) you open your eyes and you realize somebody has stuffed a microphone into your hand there's a gentleman in the corner pointing to you saying you're about to go live.
2: Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: The first thing that uh, me and the rest of the world want to know is, what's the name of your show? (laughs) I I didn't really know it then, but you stopped me immediately and said, hey, you just used a a hypnotherapy technique. (laughs) Tell the the audience what I did because I was a little shocked. I didn't really realize. uh,
2: Yes. uh, So one of the things we do in hypnosis is we do – Um, we kind of time warp or we have people go in forward in time or backward in time and we have them visualize their future selves doing things. Um, And so that helps them to control the outcome. And then it also helps them to physically feel or sense what it's going to be like in that situation. And so without knowing it, that's what you did to me. You had me physically go into the future, picture myself as a radio host and feel what that felt like say the words that a, a radio host would say, and um, and kind of put myself in that role. And that's what you did. So a lot of us, you know, we do these things without knowing them, but then bringing consciousness to them makes them more powerful.
1: Well, I guess with that, I should probably let everybody know before we go to the break that I'm an executive producer with Voice America, and I'm actually the one that exec, I'm an executive producer for your show, Mastermind. Yes. And uh, it's <laughs> one that I'm, one. it's one that I and the network are extremely proud of, and we we totally enjoy it. Um, we're going to be uh, getting your thoughts on the other side of the uh, of the break, and when we do get back, I'm going to ask you a little bit about what a, a listener can expect when they visit uh, your website, uh, dr. com. Oh, okay. And uh, with that, uh, let's go to the break, and uh, listeners, we'll catch you on the other side.
0: Are you ready to move to your next level? Listen for Empowering Women, Transforming Lives with host Rebecca Hall Greider. Each show will focus on a central topic with discussion, guests, and your questions being featured. Our show is perfect for women who feel a call in their heart to step out in a bigger, more powerful way in their life and just need some encouragement, inspiration, and practical steps to support them on their journey. Empowering Women, Transforming Lives can be heard live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Influencers Channel. And join us for a replay of the show on Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel.
2: Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m.
0: Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is on Instagram. Make sure you follow us and comment on our pictures from behind the scenes at our radio shows, live
1: events, and around the network. We want to see what you have to share as well. Check us out on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio.
0: We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Mastermind with Dr. Rebecca. To reach out to us during the live show, please call in to 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or you can send an email to Dr. Huey at lifthealing.com. Now, back to Mastermind.
1: And thank you, guys, and welcome back to Mastermind. I'm your guest host today, Jesse Jameson, and we have a special guest that we're interviewing today, Dr. Rebecca Huey. Yes. Dr. Rebecca, um, one of the things that we've noticed is above your show player on the voiceamerica.com site, you have a beautiful banner that leads people uh, to DrRebeccaMD.com. Can you uh, give us a little uh, vision or insight on what uh, a listener can maybe take away from uh, by visiting you and at your website?
2: Yes. So I would love for people to go to DrRebeccaMD.com, D-R-E-B-E-K-A-H-M-D.com. On this site, you will find a lot of things. And first, I guess we'll start with the radio show since that's what we're doing now. So you can actually listen to the radio show from my website. Um, In addition to, of course, Spotify and uh, podcast, you can click on this button that says listen now and hear the um, or get a list of the previous episodes and pick which one you want to hear. So I like that. I think it's a cool feature. And Another thing I'm really excited about on my website is my mini eBooks. So I have, um, I am a writer, and I have many eBooks, and I call them mini because they're only maybe two or three chapters a piece. One might be four, on different topics that I find are essential to everyday living. So one is called Infinite Creativity. One is called Let's Do This, and that's all about motivation and how to get yourself unstuck. There's another one called Embrace the Darkness, and I love that one. That's about facing fear and about turning fear into something positive. I think that's one of my favorite is uh, Embrace the Darkness. And then, of course, Infinite Creativity is about um, reclaiming that creativity we all had as children and how to use that to improve our lives. And then I also have um, a book that, so I was featured in, I did it, wrote a chapter in a book called Thinking About Quitting Medicine. And I am still in medicine. I did not quit, but basically it's a, a group of physicians who at one point or another had a breaking point, you know, either a family crisis or just a career, you know, meltdown, whatever it was, and decided that they wanted more out of life than what they, they had. So they found a way to creatively, uh, not only stay in medicine, but also uh, pursue their passions and renew their sense of well-being in the process. And so I am really excited to be a co-author of that book, because I think it's very, very important, not only for positions who might feel burnt out or disillusioned, but for anybody who might be in a career in which they feel like it has to be all or nothing. Either I stay in my career and lose everything else, or I lose my career to save everything else. And there's always a both and, or there's always a way that you can do both. And so this is a deep dive into multiple people's lives, and I'm sure that anyone can identify with at least one of those stories.
1: You know some people are visual right? They love to see things on television, uh, some people are audio where they like to listen to maybe your your voice or your program and get that, their knowledge uh, you know via the ear so to right. Speak. But we also know that some people like to read, uh, and that's the way that, uh, that it works best for them. So I do, again, recommend that all the uh, audience members and listeners go ahead and click on that banner above and go to DrRebeccaMD.com uh, and, and take a look uh, at some of your mini ebooks, as you said. They can also go to Amazon, correct?
2: So one of these is on Amazon. I'm working on getting – it's a little bit more time-consuming than I thought. So the one that's on Amazon is the Embrace the Darkness. And embrace the darkness was by far um, the most popular writing that I've had, and I really highly recommend it. Again, it's about uh, it's about change as darkness, and how we can change um, our views on how we how we um, how we experience change, and how we use change in a positive way. And a lot of people fear change, even positive yes. change. People fear positive change. New job, it's a good job, but you're still afraid because it's new. So, how to look these fears in the eye and turn them around to uh, possibility, and how to make the most of those possibilities. So, yes, Embrace the Darkness you can find on Amazon under my name, Rebecca Huey, H U G H E Y is the last name. But you can buy any of the ebooks. And the thinking about quitting medicine directly from my website as well. Um, and I have a couple more ebooks, many ebooks that will be coming out. I like to say, many ebooks. People don't want to read much anymore, I've noticed. If you write too much, they just glaze, their eyes just glaze over. So, what I like about these books is that they are content rich and then also succinct, succinct and are still meaningful. So, you can get the, have you ever read a book, Jesse, where it's like, I don't know, 10, 12, 14 chapters long, but they made the point after three chapters and the rest of it is just filler.
0: Um, yeah, and
1: the, and the point is, you're not necessarily trying to write a novel. You're trying to give them some stuff that they can digest pretty easily, pretty quickly, and then be able to apply it. So,
2: uh, Exactly. You said
1: something a moment ago. You said that change is scary, and I think we can all agree with that. Uh, While some people look forward to change, I think when it does come to something like changing a school or career, uh, maybe you go from married to divorced, change Mm -hmm. can be very scary. But speaking of change, let's use that to segue into my next question. That was
2: good. I like that.
1: Um, You have, in my opinion, there's three or four levels of of man slash women. When we're teens, we're kind of students. As we progress from that, we kind of go, uh, you know, we become uh, young people uh, in the workforce, right, as young adults. Mm -hmm. And then as we progress, ultimately, we might become a supervisor or even be the boss, uh, him or herself. How can your techniques help us at those, you know, let's say three or four different stages as we progress?
2: So let's see, as a teenager, just let me look back and think, as a teenager, we are searching for who we are. Well, we're always searching for who we are. But as a teenager, I feel like we do this for the first time. Everything is new and exciting. We think we know everything. And at the same time, we're scared that we don't know anything at all. It's a really weird, strange time. And I think the most important thing that I would tell someone in that phase of life is to have a regular time of day that you just sit, you don't talk to your friends, you don't text, you don't um, email, you don't do any of that stuff, but you find time to be who you are by yourself and learn who you are without your friends, without your family, without any outside influences. Now, I do recommend that for everyone at any age, but this is especially important for someone in their teenage years because so much of our identity as teenagers is influenced by other people. And you have to, have to, have to know what it's like to be by yourself and to listen to your own inner voice. This is when we cultivate that inner voice. We learn to trust that inner voice. And the more you learn to trust that inner voice, the stronger and more confident you are as you grow into adulthood.
1: You know, uh, before you uh, go into adulthood, and how uh, maybe the techniques can also be used. You know, when you enter the workforce, mm-hmm. just sticking on the the subject of the students. One of the things that your uh, shows have helped a lot of listeners with are are simple things that can be explosively powerful in their lives. For example, if a student were to memorize and, and do some of your memorization techniques that you went and used, it might make that social studies test or that history <laughs> test a little bit more doable. And a lot of the techniques that you uh, have shared are things that people can keep using in their life going forward. I've joked with you that I use your techniques to memorize the grocery list, right, Mm -hmm. when I go get groceries. But if I would have had those techniques as a a student, I, I think I could have fared a little bit better scholastically.
2: I agree, I wish I'd had the techniques earlier. So as in high school, and this does take effort and it does take a little bit of work on the front end, but these memory techniques such as creative visualization where the, you um, have a list of 10 words, or in, in, this, in the, um, let's say if you have a social studies test, you might need to remember a list of 10 whatever dates. Um, if, if you associate a picture with anything, it's easier to remember and one thing that the memory does also is to connect something you already know to this new thing that you're learning. So if you find a way to connect new things with things that are already in your brain, you also strengthen those pathways, and you also improve your memory. So as a as a, a student, maybe in middle school or in high school, if you want to improve your memory, you create a mental picture of whatever it is you're trying to remember and associate it with something you already know. For instance, um, I can't think of. I think I block social studies and history completely out. Well, Um.
1: just for fun, just just for fun, (laughs) let me let me share with the listeners because I can show Uh, you a a fun way using Doctor using Doctor Rebecca's techniques uh, that she shared. uh, I I can just give you a quick little run of uh, the mill grocery list. Mm -hmm. So let's say the first thing that you want to get is Coca Cola. I always like to use the kool-aid man to remember drinks so the first uh the first picture in my story is a picture of the kool-aid man yeah mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and then let's say the <laughs> second thing that i'm supposed to get is eggs so what i'll do is i'll picture the kool-aid man and keep in mind the kool-aid man is going to remind me to get a drink which in this case is coca-cola In the kool-aid man's hand I'll actually see a 12-pack of eggs. It's just the egg carton, but the thought behind it is, get some eggs. Mm -hmm. And then I make it funny where he's kind of like, you know, leaning on one leg. He's holding his carton of eggs, and then maybe on the carton of eggs is a crown, and that crown maybe reminds me of imperial butter. Yeah. Right. And you just keep adding to yep. this. And for the listeners, I don't want to take you through a big thirty, you know, thing list, but what happens is it's a lot easier to remember a Kool-Aid man with a carton of eggs and an imperial crown on it than it is to remember Coca Cola, butter, mm-hmm. and, you know, whatever the other thing was. I forgot yep. all. The-
2: no. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, the, you can't say you forgot. I didn't you forget, it, but I was just
1: thinking. saying it's. It, I, I was just saying that the point is, that it is easier <laughs> to remember the story.
2: What's yeah. interesting
1: is uh, using that technique. I've memorized lists as as big as a hundred words before, mm-hmm. and it doesn't take forever to get it down. And it's one of those things where practice does make perfect. Um, so that was just one of those ideas I was thinking that would really help the student in all of yes. us, because they say a lot of people uh, in our age group, Doctor Rebecca, are becoming students again to relearn a new skill. So how can somebody that's maybe a young adult and they're just entering the workforce, uh, just graduate college, so to speak, how could they maybe use some of your hypnotherapy techniques, whether it's uh, to reduce stress or to increase performance or or what have you?
2: Mm, So, yeah, it definitely depends on what they want to do. Let's talk about increased performance. So one thing, and we talked about, touched on this earlier in the first segment is anytime you are anticipating an event, what calms the nerves and prepares your mind and your heart and your spirit is to picture yourself as being successful in whatever it is that you're anticipating. So a lot of people will worry or become anxious or picture bad things happening. It's just as easy to picture good things happening Um, and playing that out in your mind um, with some deep breathing exercise beforehand. And then the visualization Improves performance. One, because you've already done it before, even though you haven't done it physically. There are multiple studies to show that you doing things mentally, your brain almost doesn't know the difference between you visualizing something and actually doing it. Um, so, having been successful and practice that success ahead of time helps your performance. Um, anxiety and stress, it's similar. So you you want to to imagine or picture a time in your past maybe where you were confident or you were secure or you were successful and bring that feeling then into the present moment so you can actually reach back in time and claim those positive feelings that you want to have again and just bring them with you into the present moment.
1: Not to interrupt you, Dr. Rebecca, but you said a second ago that the subconscious doesn't really know the difference between reality and non-reality, or at least that's how it kind of came across. Yeah. Does, that, does that mean if I'm stressed out, I can technically go take a 20-minute vacation by literally thinking I'm on the beach enjoying Definitely. a vacation? And are, and are you saying that the, the mind will literally take advantage of the benefits that one would reap from 20 minutes on the beach relaxing?
2: Definitely. So yeah, your heart rate will, will go down and um, your stress level will go down and your breathing rate will slow. It's, it's basically you're practicing this relaxation in real time. You are removing your attention from whatever stressful event is happening and you're placing your attention elsewhere, your, wellness else, your awareness elsewhere, and your body will respond um, accordingly.
1: And then let's say going forward, uh, you know, we're no longer teenagers. Uh, We've been in the workforce for maybe 15 years. We're progressing to supervisor, manager, maybe even we're becoming an owner of our own business. How do uh, some of the techniques that you've shared uh, maybe help us as we advance in age? (laughs)
2: So two things. One, this is actually a very, very good time in career advancement and maybe middle age to revisit those teenage um, recommendations that I gave of finding who you are um, and being more secure in who you are. A lot of times we lose it in the climb and we kind of become disoriented and we lose our sense of purpose in who we are. So it's good to recenter and start to make sure we listen to that inner voice and um, be familiar with that inner voice again. And then also just on a practical standpoint with the memory techniques, keep your mind conditioned, just like you make sure you exercise and do physical exercise every day. Do something new to stimulate your mind every day. Do these memory exercises, do crossword puzzles, do go a different way of work every day. You always want to be stimulating your mind and changing up your routine so that your mind is always challenged and always forced to adjust and readjust and, um, you know, do, do new things.
1: You, uh, you suggested to me the other day to maybe pick a day out of the week where I write left-handed.
2: Yep, uh, yep. That was
1: interesting. Hey, before, oh, we, yeah. got to, before we go to break, uh, everything sure. you've said is so smart. What's your favorite ice cream?
2: My favorite ice cream is mint chocolate chip. That's stupid. All right,
1: <laughs> listen, we're going to go to break. Listen, everybody, catch us on the uh, final segment when we get back. We're going to ask uh, Dr. Rebecca some more fun questions. Uh, you ready All right. for fun questions on the other end?
2: Okay, we'll see you later.
1: <laughs> and welcome back to Mastermind for our final segment with Dr. Huey. Dr. Huey, before we went to break, I poked fun at your ice cream, but
0: yes, you did. That,
1: that's my daughter's favorite kind too. Oh,
0: really? Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I, you know, one of my favorites is pistachio which Ugh. is right out there too. But, uh, but to each their own. And I was just totally kidding. There's, there's nothing silly about that. Well, maybe. Oh, that's okay um your shows your shows uh have ultimately led to the idea that we all have a superpower something inside of us that's special that we're all able to cultivate uh with the right techniques um and you you firmly believe we all have this correct and and, we definitely do and is it important in your opinion that that we don't skip through life without finding this inner superpower
2: Yes, so when a lot of us have more than one. Uh, we're born knowing what we're good at, what's, what's important about us, what's special about us. And as children, we're just so, I mean, we can brag about it. I can do this better than you, or I can do this, or we, we just, it's an innate thing that we all know we come into this world knowing who we are and what we can do. And somehow we get it, we get talked out of it, or we get, um, we get kind of mainstreamed. And we want to be like everybody else or people talk us out of this idea that we're special. So I definitely think it's important to reclaim that because that's our key. That's the ticket to success in life and to rising above the crowd in whatever area it is that you are special in. And it's okay for everybody to be special too. It's not like if you're special, if you're important, or if you're superpowers, whatever, that means that everybody else is not. It means that they're good at something else and you can work together and everybody can be great.
1: That's very, very true. I, uh, I I just hate the idea that people get stuck in these jobs where they're not necessarily doing what they want. And I know that if they could just find a career path of something they enjoyed, it'd probably be a lot easier for those superpowers to come out. I think a lot of times we're stifled by our situation in life. Speaking of situation, you know, uh, my daughter uh, recently graduated from Arizona State University. She works for the USA Today. I'm extremely proud of her. And I have oh, a son good. I have a son that uh, wow. is, is a freshman You're at the old. U of A. Yeah, I'm 42. <laughs> 42. I started young, but uh, I'm so proud of her. And uh, my son is a freshman at the U of A, and he's uh, studying to become uh, something in, in the physician doctor world. I, I don't want to put too much pressure on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I know he's, he's, he's really studying hard. Your daughter, um, she's in college now, correct? Correct. You had her do something that I find very unique because I think a lot of people, when it comes to the problems of the world and the evils that are out there, uh, they kind of put their head in the sand and try mm-hmm. to avoid or look the other way. You took a different tact. You uh, decided that, hey, there's some bad people out there, and I'm going to prepare my daughter. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Because I find it very interesting.
2: Sure. Sure so my daughter she just finished her freshman year in college when she was i think she was a junior in high school i realized that she was going to be leaving in a couple years and i really wanted her to feel confident um that when she went away she was and i wanted her to be i wanted to feel confident that she was safe too and so i um talked to mr stewart edmiston who we interviewed on one of our shows who runs triangle self-defense uh center and basically, got her some. Um, she learned uh, jujitsu techniques. She learned hand-to-hand combat stuff. She learned some kickboxing techniques. She did just a whole, a whole lot of things um, within uh, her specialized self-defense curriculum. And it made me comfortable because I knew that she could defend herself if needed. And then also, uh, it made her feel more confident that she could walk through the world and, you know, she wouldn't have to use them necessarily, but if, If she needed to use them, they were available to her. She wouldn't have to cower in fear. She could definitely say, hey, I know how to defend myself if this happens or if this happens. So I think that um, in general, when uh, kids go away to college, it's important. I mean, as parents, we can be nervous or afraid. And it's okay to be like that and then also prepare at the same time. Like the saying goes, don't be scared, be prepared. So I wanted to instill that in, in her as well.
1: I love that Stuart Edmiston and, and the gang down there at Triangle Self-Defense were actually rolling with your daughter on the ground, wrestling yes, with definitely. her, grappling with her. Because here's the sad definitely. thing. Um, I, I'm 158 pounds, so I'm I'm a relatively small uh, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a lot of girls out there, and a lot of young men are, are even smaller than me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And when you have all of a sudden a big aggressive person tackling you, yep. uh, it can it can shock you and it can really uh, traumatize you for the rest of your life. And the, the one thing that's cool about what Stuart did with your daughter is now because she's used to feeling what it's like rolling on the ground, yes. defending herself, hopefully she can avoid that shock mode if she ever puts herself in that situation. The neat thing is, as you were telling me on the break, that Stu uh, gets them to really keep uh, an eye and, and, and view the world a little bit differently after his course. So a yeah. lot of times she probably, uh, even if it's subco- self, self-consciously or subconsciously, she probably avoids those situations because uh, I think sometimes we, you know, might, uh, we, we maybe should cross the street and walk on the <laughs> other side, but we don't necessarily <laughs> do that, right? Yeah. Um, so, so maybe tell me a little bit about that because I, I think that's great that your daughter's not going to have that deer in the headlights uh, yeah. reaction.
2: Yeah, so um, to have that that situational awareness is what we call it, where you know you're not on your phone, you don't have your headphones in, you know you you realize when you're out that you need to 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 keep an eye on people, see who might look suspicious, see who might whose body language might look a little bit off, and to be aware in that in that moment of, okay, where, what would I do if they came at me? Where, where are the exits in this building? And what would I do if someone were to come in? Could I get out quickly? So um, he, he, he teaches her things like that. And I think it's important for her to realize also that life is not, it's different when you get out there and you're an adult and you're responsible for yourself and your parents aren't around and your friends may or may not be doing the right thing. You need to know at all times what the right thing is and how to protect yourself. And how to get out of situations, even if nobody else is paying attention or doing what they need to do, you need to make sure that you do what you need to do. Amen. So, yeah.
1: Yes, I agree. You know uh, what you mentioned. You know, knowing your outs. I uh, I took a driving course when I was in high school, and uh, it's one of those things that I don't think just taking driving with your parents necessarily teaches you. As well as maybe taking a driving course, one of the things that they taught us was to know your outs. Keep a, mm-hmm. keep a, an idea of who's around you using your mirrors. You look over your shoulder when you single, you know, in turn because somebody could be in your blind spot. Yep. So always check your blind spots, and on the same token. Avoid being in other people's blind spots. Now, I know I'm mentioning yes. the road, but the, <laughs> the point is, I see some drivers that they literally just, you know, they look in their mirror and they turn and they literally bump into people that are right next to them. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're not that using... to
2: me today. Oh. Oh, somebody oh. almost did that to me. And, <laughs> it
1: re- and, and even if they avoid you, it just instantly gets the anger flare and like, you almost right. got in an accident with me, you know. Uh, your show really helps people uh, calm down when they need to be calm use their brain when they need to focus, <laughs> uh, use their 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 street savviness when they need to. Mm-hmm. I, re- I really feel like you're touching on so many uh, different topics, and you've only just begun. Uh, obviously, there's more topics that are going to be coming on the horizon, but uh, why don't you just fill us in a, a little bit on on what you were thinking so far with how you have patterned the show's?
2: Well, I so I don't know for sure. Let me tell you some of my ideas. One, like I said, I really love the game show idea. So I thought about having a a series of just games with different people, either you know, with the memory techniques or maybe having people from a of a certain um, from a certain uh, profession and have them compete with whatever you know things are important to that profession. I also really, really love, and other people really love these memory, episodes where they learn the technique so how to improve the mind um technically how to improve the memory how to do different memory uh not sports but how to use the mind effectively when it comes to either memorizing things or thinking about things differently um enhancing your life in that way and and uh there's a lot
1: there's a lot of brain games out there too where uh, Mm -hmm. one can kind of keep their their there's stuff up here in the noggin, so to speak. I know that my mom loves that Sudoku uh, game. I like and that too. A lot of people play crosswords and word searches and stuff. Um, you uh, had told me before to write left-handed. What happens to the brain, uh, do you think? I, I, I don't know if there's concrete, whatever evidence behind it, but what do you think kind of happens to the brain when we do, let's say, write left-handed for a day? Is it literally rewiring things and what have you
2: well in a way so whenever you when you challenge your mind like that you you make new connections you have these neurons like they say that fire together wire together which means the more you fire certain pathways in your brain Um, the more concrete those pathways become, which can be good for memorizing things, but then also you can get stuck in a rut. Like you can start to have the same thought patterns over and over and over again. So just by grabbing, I'm left-handed. So just by me writing with my right hand, all of a sudden I'm activating completely different pathways in my brain. So I am forming new connections. I'm wiring differently. And over time, that'll help me to broaden um, what my mind can do to create these new pathways and to these new ways of thinking. And it, and it so it has um, impacts in other ways, too. All of a sudden, I might become more creative because I've reached into a different part of my brain that I hadn't accessed before. So it kind of snowballs in a positive way when we do things, new things or things that are out of the ordinary for us. Paint, um, I had a friend tell me she... And she didn't write with her non-dominant hand, but she painted a whole house with her non-dominant hand. So she forced herself to do that. All of these things that that new things that we do with our brain have positive effects in the present and also in the future when it comes to um, staving off uh, dementia.
1: Hey, why does this paint job look so odd?
0: <laughs> 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 you know, I, I would ima- I, I would yeah, I paint.
1: would Im- I would imagine if you painted with the offhand for a whole house, <laughs> that would be that would be really, really something, you know. I think
2: it would be kinda funky at first, but by like maybe the second room I think it would start to look decent and maybe by the third room that you wouldn't even be able to tell.
1: And with multiple coats, you know, multiple you definitely coat? wouldn't be able to tell. I did, <laughs> I did eight coats on that one spot. I just couldn't. Have you ever tried cutting scissors with the left-handed scissors or the opposite? Oh, it's almost impossible.
2: Uh, yeah, scissors are weird. Well, okay, so a medical school, so this is something that left-handers have a huge um, advantage most people are right-handed. So when right. you're left-handed, you have to learn the way right-handed people learn. So we become ambidextrous. So I remember at medical school, we had a surgery rotation, and nobody could teach me how to suture or cut left-handed. They tried, oh but they God. just got so confused. <laughs> so I just said... You
1: had to tell a patient, <laughs> I haven't been taught yet.
2: <laughs> well, no. So what happens is that I said, just forget it. Just teach <laughs> me how you do it, and I'll do it the way you do it. Oh, so, so I you learned. know how to do right-handed. So I do it right-handed because that's the way I had to learn because nobody knew how to teach me how to do it left handed. And left handers do that a lot with batting, you know, in sports, I bat right handed because nobody was left handed and taught me how to hit left handed. So I can hit from both sides of the plate. So we learned how to use more of our brain just because, you know, we're, we have to, to survive.
1: And it's very awkward when you're uh, playing somebody in basketball where they're left handed, because you're mm-hmm. like, you're, you want to, go up to block a shot based on their right hand. Right. And me- meanwhile, they can guard you like nothing because yep. they're used to right-handed people. My grandmother told me some uh, interesting horror stories that when she was a young <laughs> girl, they actually tied her left hand behind her back and made her right, right-handed. And she thinks to this day, that's why her right hand handwriting just doesn't really look that pretty where uh, most of her other sisters in the family have really beautiful handwriting. So,
2: Yeah. So they used to think that or believe that left-handed people were evil. So the left hand left is sinister, which is where we get the word sinister from for evil. And then right is dexter. So if you're a dexterous, then that means you're good with your hands. And that was dexter is the word for the right. So, Um, It was embedded in that culture that if you're left-handed, you're evil or of the devil, and you have to be forced to use your right hand. Um, So it was more than just a convenience thing.
1: Well, I never said left-handed people weren't evil. I think we can all agree they are. No, I'm totally (laughs) kidding there.
2: Totally kidding.
1: (laughs) Totally kidding. As a matter of fact, left-handed people throw a football really, really well.
2: I can throw uh, football really well.
1: Yeah, it's got a really it, it just even though the spiral must be the same just from a different angle it just looks completely unique and interesting.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: we have about another minute and a half here I believe. Mm-hmm. Um what what do you want to share with with the with the listeners uh to let them know one last thing a, a little bit about you. Give us oh. give us one hobby or, or thing that you really love to do maybe at the end of the
2: day. Oh, what do I love to do? I I don't have hobby. Oh, wow. So I love sports, any sport. Um, I, if it's a new sport that I haven't played yet, I really love it. And um, just taking lot, a, I do walk a lot. I do. So I walk every morning. I listen to an audio book um, every day. And when I walk, usually 30 to 60 minutes, sometimes it's a walk run. So I'll do that every day. Um, and my chance to do a walking meditation and to learn something new. So, yeah, it's something I do every day without fail.
1: If you're always learning, you're, you're moving forward. You know, uh, I, I always, I had a friend that used to always tell me, I always try to be a little bit better, Jesse, tomorrow than I am, than I was yesterday. I, I try to be better today than I was yesterday. I Definitely. look forward to improving tomorrow. Um, always try to be the best you that you can be and be a good individual. Uh, and I think if all the listeners uh, try to do that, we'll come back to them tenfold. I agree. I'm so glad that you had me on as a guest host, and uh, (laughs) I'd be more than happy to come back in the future.
2: (laughs) Sure, this was fun. (laughs)
1: Well, I just want to say uh, goodbye to everybody that's uh, out there, and Dr. Rebecca, you want to say a big goodbye too?
2: Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Mastermind, and we will see you next week.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Mastermind. Please join Dr. Rebecca for another show next Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers channel. We'll talk again next week.